Broadcasting live from the Roswell Infinity Studio, it's time for North Atlanta's BizLink, the greater North Fulton Chamber of Commerce linking you to business leaders. North Atlanta's BizLink is brought to you by Veritech. Veritech, great people, remarkable service. Hello, everyone, and welcome to North Atlanta's BizLink, the monthly radio show and podcast presented by the Greater North Fulton Chamber of Commerce. I'm Nicole Sturgis with the Greater North Fulton Chamber. Every month on this show, we link you to North Atlanta's business leaders and introduce you to some of the Chamber's top members. I'm really excited about today's guest. We have with us founder and executive director of Foster Care Support Foundation, Rachel Ewald. Hi, Rachel. Hi. We're I'm really glad, glad to, to have you. Thanks for being with us. Thank you. I think this will be a great show for our listeners, um, especially coming up on the holiday season and kind of finding out um, how we can jump in and help and, and what Foster Care Support Foundation uh, specializes in. So will you start off by just telling us a little bit about Foster Care Foundation? I sure will. Uh, first of all, we have been around since 1996. We actually incorporated in 2000. We started in my garage. Uh, oh, my wow. husband and I were foster parents, and we saw these children coming in with nothing but the clothes on their back. And it was sad to see, um, at the time, the state was paying very little to uh, foster a child. It was 10 and 12 and 14, I think, for teenagers were getting $14 a day. And they had to feed them and clothe them. And I think they were getting $150 a, a year reimbursement for clothes, which, as you all know, that doesn't buy much clothes. That doesn't work very well. Yeah. So we saw a lot of the children that were coming into the foster care system. Of course, they've lost everything when they've come in. They can't take things with them. It could be contaminated. And sometimes it just... They, there is nothing. And they had to make sure that they had the things they need, their basic needs, their clothing, their toys, things that, that would help them uh, feel more like a, a child, a normal child, and also um, get over the trauma that they endured. Uh, we also saw that the, a lot of people would step up and say, you know, I sure would like to do that, but the out-of-pocket expense is too great for us to be able to handle, so they wouldn't step up and be foster parents. Uh, we also saw others that did foster, and when the child left their home, they couldn't afford to rebuy re everything, so they would keep most of what they had bought for the child. So the child here was having another trauma, losing everything they own, and going out with nothing again, starting from scratch. I thought this was something that the community could help with. We could help with uh, recruiting foster parents by you know, having a support system for them. Uh, there's a lot of people in the community that, you know, they knew a little bit about foster kids. They just thought they were taken care of. Uh, they didn't realize how little. And uh, so we did bring a lot of awareness. We've had a lot of articles written up, and I think a lot of people jumped on the bandwagon and started looking at the foster care system um, a little bit better, a little bit closer. And there's been some great changes in Georgia. Uh, they now get a lot more to take care of those kids. It's between twenty and thirty dollars a day, which wow. is a huge amount. So twenty and thirty compared to the ten, 10 to twelve 10 to about 14. twenty years ago. Absolutely. Wow. So what we saw is um, a lot of support coming up. Uh, we we do believe I believe the best foster parents to recruit are the ones who original eventually want to adopt because you mm -hmm. want you want to recruit parents that want to be parents mm -hmm. and uh, the money is not should not be a factor uh, but yet if you're going to take care of these children and 
um, it's going to cost you each time you take a child, and that will affect the population of foster parents you get. Sure. You won't be able to do it. Sure. So now we see the majority of the par- parents that are foster parents are in there because they hopefully eventually will adopt. And that's a good thing because these children won't have to make another move if they can't go back to their parents. You know, there's always a reunification plan. Uh, they try to work with the family, see if they can fix that family and get that family become whole again and get their children back, and, and hopefully they'll be safe and, and then they can go on with their lives. If that doesn't happen, then the children, you know, if there's no other relatives, the children go up for adoption, and the parents uh, that are fostering them, they will have first option to say, yes, this is what we want to do. And, or, and would you say a lot of those foster um, parents are relatives or not? What Statistically, how, how many are relatives compared to just parents who want to foster well there's a lot of foster parents that are they're just not related to the children Mm -hmm. and so um you know when they get the child they know whether they can raise that child so if that child does go free for adoption Mm -hmm. they can make that decision and an informed decision Mm -hmm. on whether or not it's a child they think they can raise Mm -hmm. and uh, i have never sent a parent to be a foster parent that really wanted to adopt not adopt so it is a way a great way to do to do you know to finalize an adoption, mm-hmm. um, they just have to understand that children in foster care are not free for adoption. They come in with a reunification plan. And as long as they know that and understand that and they can help in the process of getting this child back to the family and caring for it while they have the child, um, they can go on and foster until eventually they will. They will adopt. And that's important so. to know for them to know up front um, and you guys providing all those resources for them. And something like 110,000 families, is that right, Rachel? Well, that that's a different um, part of foster care. Okay. Um, it's actually not hardly counted in the foster care system itself. Okay. Um, the first thing they try to do now, there have been a lot of changes in the state. The strategic plan in 2015 was that they were going to try to put at least 50% of the kids coming into the foster care system in with relatives. And, you know, statistics show that they do better if they were family uh, but if you're not going to put them in, if you're going to put them in foster care and not look for the family first these kids get detached right from the family unit and that's not necessarily the best thing for the child so they have done a great job with that they they put a lot of kids in foster care uh, into the relative homes um, the unfortunate part of it was that they weren't following the resources and the support so a lot of these uh, relative care that would take these children were not getting that per diem and puts uh, a financial a strain yeah, very much yeah. so because unlike the foster parents who go in there and say well let's go foster and we can adopt which is uh, like i say successful a great way to do it uh, these parents were saying oh my gosh i have to take my grandchildren because if i don't i'll never see my grandkids again mm. and so they're in a crisis mode um so the state has done some changes lately and they're going to try to get uh the relative care families that they're placing kids in from moving forward into becoming a foster parent, and then they can get a stipend. Unfortunately, we have 100,000 families that are raising their grandkids or their cousins or their nieces or nephews that aren't, don't fall into that category because they're already there in their homes. They probably never had a touch with DFACs. They probably took them from the courts so they wouldn't go into DFACs and they wouldn't go into the system. Um, that doesn't touch these families, so they're still struggling. And 100,000 relatives according to the, st- the stats, are raising almost 300,000 children in Georgia alone. So wow, you can imagine how lot. huge the number is nationwide. Um, yeah, families, that's just Georgia alone. Wow. Right. I can't they imagine. Say, they say a half a million in the country, but I, I think that that's probably a very small fraction because they're not counting, they're only counting the DFAS cases. Wow. So, um, so what we decided to do was uh, create a venue 
where anyone could help. Uh, whether they could fund it, and they may not have time to volunteer, they might not have time to, might not have goods to donate. But donate funds, donate goods, donate time. If people volunteer their time, that's huge. We take 11,000 volunteers this past year that came and helped do this, and that's a huge community effort. I uh, I never thought in all my days of thinking that we needed something that we could have that much. That would grow uh, that success. In. Yeah. Yes. That's yes. amazing. That it's just great... shows people want to support what you're doing and uh, help in any way they can. And, um, and I also want to make a note to our listenership, too, about you're not a government organization, correct? We are not. We're not funded by the government. We do partner with them. We're, I guess, what you would call a private public partner. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't get funded by them. So our funds come completely from individuals. 50% of our funds come from just individual givers. Um, corporate donations, foundations, grants that we write, and faith-based organizations. And so without those funds, uh, we, we don't have a lot of funds. We probably provide about $8 million worth of goods and services on a budget of about 800000 It should be a $2 million budget, but we, do, we don't have it. We can't do it. And so we're short-staffed because of it, and but we do a lot with that. Uh, this year, we're looking at 4,000 to 4,500 children coming through. That's wow, a lot of children. They'll is. get a full wardrobe of clothing. They'll get toys, school supplies. Some get bikes, uh, depending on what we have and what their ages are. Um, walkers, high chairs, strollers, things that they need if they're infants. And this is all free. That's huge. I mean, these kids, like you said, are coming in with nothing, and you want to provide them with the resources because 20 years ago they were coming into the system with nothing and then leaving with nothing. And I think it's so great what you guys are doing to to change that. Um, And, Rachel, I want to talk a little bit about your career path personally and kind of how you got to this place, how you got into Foster Care Support Foundation, and obviously I know you and your husband are very passionate about um, helping these kids. Have you always been working in in this kind of realm? Well, we started fostering children uh, in 88 before we had our fourth child, and um, I always wanted to help somehow in this when we were, when I was younger, we, we had an orphanage in the town next to us. And I remember seeing those kids just hanging on the chain link fence and they always looked so lonely. And I, you know, we had seven children. We didn't have any money. My parents were not, they definitely were poor, but we had love. And that was the thing that we didn't, I didn't realize the difference of that, but I did realize that there must be something about not having parents. It must be horrible. And I always thought, uh, I remember saying to my mom, uh, you know, can we take him home? And she said, you're crazy. I can't, you know, it's hard to feed seven children. I can't take any more. But um, I just thought one day when I get older, I'm going to help these kids, not realizing, of course, that this is what we were going to do. And so after we had uh, three children, you know, I asked my husband and we talked about it and we decided we'd foster, but not to adopt just to help children in the interim because a lot of people want to adopt, but there's not enough that want to just foster to help them in their time between where they decide where they're going to go, whether they're going to go back home, where they're going to go to a relative, where they're going to be adopted and um, help them through their trauma. And so we decided to do that. And we, uh, that's how we found out how they came into care, learned a lot about the system. And then uh, had our, we stopped a little a little while. We were in Texas at the time and had another child and then, when she was about kindergarten age, we started fostering again. And that's when, when we were doing that fostering route that uh, we decided to open up a resource and try to help more children have things that they could call their own, you know, overcome the trauma and build their lives again with things that belong to them. 
Sure. You know, you know, we identify ourselves with things that we've built and we've bought and we've earned. And Absolutely. the children are no different. Sure. So if you lost everything, you can imagine how you would feel. But a oh, child absolutely. is different. You know, they, they can't understand that. So during that interim process, what is what are the resources you provide? I know you provide clothing. I know you provide some mentorship. Um, but in terms of making sure they're successful when they get to that next place, um, what are some of the specific routes you do that through? Well, we do have a mentoring program for teenagers, and it starts at age 12 and up, and we're um, matching up teens and adults that um, we try to match up likes and likes, you know, something that they have in common. And uh, it's only a, it's a one-year program, but what we designed it for was a one-on-one where they can pick them up and do things with them, and they have to go through a training to be able to uh, mentor the child. But we wanted these kids to have something, somebody to connect to so they have another person to be able to talk to if they needed to. Someone positive. Some positive to guide them through decision-making. And uh, hopefully that we always hope that at the end of the year program that was under under the watchful oversight of foster care support, they have the option to end the relationship or continue on their own. And so far we've had a, a great success that they all continue on their own. That's great. So we always have about 12 ongoing, but yet others that edit, exit the program but continue without our oversight. That's phenomenal. Is, it's good. I mean, it's that's just a testament to, to your success and kind of – you want to, you want the, these kids to succeed and go on to be set up for success in the future and not just in this constant kind of, you know, moving them around from house to house or care to care or relative to not relative. I mean, whatever their situation, you want them to be able to ultimately be successful in the real world. Well, and you want them to be able to make decisions, uh, informed decisions. Absolutely. And, you know, when our kids grow up, they go on their own, but they can always call mom and dad and say, hey, you know, yeah. I need this. Can I do this? Can I have help with that? These kids don't have Don't that. have that advice mm-hmm. or support. So we hope that this will build on that. The program's pretty new. It's about three years that we've had mentors now, and it's been successful for three years, and it's continuing so. So if anyone's uh, always interested in being a mentor, that's that's one avenue they can take. Um, then, then, of course, volunteers, the people that come in to volunteer at the center, they, there's so many different things they can do. They can decide to work with the sorting of the donations and the clothing and the sizing and the restocking the center. They can become uh, personal shoppers and, and learn that aspect and uh, fill orders for kids who live too far away. We don't just serve Metro Atlanta. We serve all over Georgia. But if you live in Savannah and you have two, three children that are coming in or, or your grandparent and you're in your 70s or 60s and I can't drive to Atlanta. We actually fill the orders with volunteers and we ship it to them. And so they get it all over the state. And this is for your resale shop, correct? No, that's for our, our, that's our distribution for your, center. Okay. It's free. And you do have a resale shop too as well, right? The resale, the resale shop is at uh, 608 Hokenbridge Road. That is where we send things that we don't use. Okay. But are good. Okay. You know, there's home decor, there's furniture. We don't, we're not going to furnish your home. Mm-hmm. If you need beds and cribs and all this, you are usually you're fostering because you want to eventually adopt. You need to make sure you can furnish your own home. Sure. Um, not expect other people to give you all the stuff you would need if you were having your own child biologically. So um, if you, um, want home decor or dressers or sometimes if uh, we'll have sizes of things that well we have way too many of this size so let's send some to the resale shop it's open to the public uh it's open monday through saturday from 10 to 5 people can go there and shop the money that we make there just comes back into the foster care center 
and that helps provide some of the operation costs. It's not a big money maker, but it, it helps. And of course, the more people that know about it, uh, the more it can help. So it's just tucked away there in the corner of the uh, Roswell Town Center plaza and nobody really sees it so sure. it's between uh, tuesday morning and, and dollar tree and uh, but it's a little shop but it's long and it, it has a lot of stuff in there so you, it's like a potluck Aww. never know what you're gonna find well that's great to know uh make sure that you go check it out and also um i'm sure you're always looking for volunteers to to help kind of the store hours is that yes. correct yes they, there's a volunteer site on our website fostercares.org and you can email and say you want to volunteer certain days. Um, we can only take a couple people, two, three at a time at the resale shop, but we can take groups up to 30, 40, 50, and even 60 at the distribution center. And, you know, they may be fixing bikes that day, putting them together, make sure that the, the tires work, the brakes work, uh, put air in the tires, I should say. Uh, and then they're ready to give out to a child. They could be uh, sorting, taking in donations and sorting the pre-sort when they first come in, you know, putting infant equipment in one place. They may be processing strollers, meaning taking them apart, uh, washing them, making sure the straps are all there. Same with high chairs. You know, they, they come in used. So um, if they're in great condition, we can use them, but they usually have to be cleaned. Uh, toys have to be sorted. There's parts and pieces everywhere when you have toys that Lots have been of used. Toys, yeah. So they have to be checked. They have to be uh, processed in a way that uh, they're a complete toy by the time we're done. They're clean. They don't have any broken parts. They work if they have a battery. You know, we want to make sure that they're working toys. And when the child gets a bag of toys, they get a whole um, assortment of different types of toys, a puzzle, game. You know, if they're little girls, about maybe six, five, six, they might want little ponies or poly pockets and those kind of things. Just things that our kids would play with. Sure. But they but they're in great condition. They're the only thing is they may not have a box. But they but that's okay. Wow. They're no different than when you took that thing out of the box. That's great that you're mm-hmm. providing those resources and just like you're explaining the process, I mean a lot goes into that. Making sure the toys are clean, that they have all the working parts that I mean that's a that's a process that we forget about for those of us who have little cousins or kids or you know, it's easy to go to the store and just pick up a a game or a toy that's already put together, but you guys are really going the extra mile to to make sure that all that has to be in place for for these kids to be able to enjoy. Well, and when volunteers come in, that might be their niche. They might like to do toys and, and work with toys. And we have volunteers that come in in the toy area that have been there for years and come every single week. And we call them our golden volunteers because they Aww. they are golden for sure. But they're good at what they do and they like what they do. You know, so uh, that's important. The toy room is, you know, it's always uh, it's always ever changing. Yes. So, uh, and of course, we have to learn all the ever changing styles and toys that come in. Too. The latest the, and yeah, and, and the oldest. Yeah. Like, what is this? I have not. Wait a minute. I think I saw the this trends. when I was two. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but that's that's. Uh, that's definitely something that is fun for a lot of people. And then some people just love to uh, learn how to do the filling of the orders and shop. You actually identify with a child because you're picking out their wardrobe and packing it up. And when they get that bag and they open it up and they have some books in there and some toys and, and then their clothes, uh, it, it's like a Christmas in July or whenever time of year we send it. Uh, but we're here year-round. So, mm-hmm. And kids come in year-round. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure that there's a constant need. Um, and that brings me to, I know we've talked a little bit, uh, just now, but how can the community help as we approach this holiday season? To your point, it's, it's a year round operation. This isn't something that, oh, it's the holidays, you know, 
obviously it's great if we all jump in and, and help, but um, specifically it takes a lot of money to run your foundation every, every year. It a, does. A, a large amount of money. And so just for your building costs and your, your operation costs and um, that can be a lot. So that, how do you guys, do you get support through donors mainly? Is that kind of? Well, we, we write grants, uh, but uh, the majority of the donors are individuals. And we're actually looking for a 1,000 people that would sign up and say, I'm going to give 25 or 50 or whatever they can spare per month for a year. And hopefully after the year is over, they will continue. That helps fill in the blanks when we don't get a grant and we don't get a sponsor back. Sure. We've had sponsors that have been bought out, merged with other companies, and that company had their own focus. And so we lost that when uh, others have just totally closed down or moved away. Or hopefully we get as many new ones coming in. But they have to know about us. Sure. The best way to get uh, for, for corporations and company businesses to get to know us is sign up to volunteer. Because they come in, they see what happens there, and then they're sold because it's definitely something that's a, a true love of those children. And it's we rewarding. Yes. Yeah. And so, you know, the, the uh, monthly donors are a, a plus. That's definitely good. There's end-of-the-year giving. People say, you know, I have a little extra at the end of the year. I'd like to help a charity. Thank you, these children, especially the grands, raising grands. You know, 77% um, of our kids this year have been grandparents raising grandchildren. And that's a number is only going to climb as they try to put more and more kids in with grandparents. And they're hurting because... You know they need that support. They need monetarily, the emotionally. Right. I mean, all of it that you guys are providing. So when when a uh, relative comes in and they because they have to make an appointment, um, if they're younger, they can come for four seasons. That's how long they'd be in foster care before permanent permanency. You know, termination of parental rights if they or going back to their family. Um, so the relative we we treat the same. They can come in for the four season. We've at the end of the season. We've been inviting them in for fifth or sixth, you know, if if um, if we have time and there's still resources. Um, but if they're 62 and older, we find that it's it's very hard to expect them to get back into the job workforce to raise another generation of kids. So at that age, uh, we let them keep coming until the children are grown. We know there's going to be an end to it because those kids are going to get 18. You know, they'll turn 18 one day. <laughs> so it's not forever, but uh, it des- definitely helps them keep their family. And um, you mentioned the training process to become a mentor. Can anyone mentor, or what are the parameters around that, and how how can we get involved in that? Well, if you uh, go to our website, fostercares.org, and there is on the top right, there's some different tabs. There's uh, mentoring, there's volunteering, fostering, and so you can get a lot of your information from that because that will direct you to the emails to ask a question. And the mentoring program is um, there's a uh, conference orientation which they will connect you to that and you will hear what it's all about you can ask questions and if you're interested in moving on moving forward and becoming a mentor then they will set up a training there's background checks the mandated reporter training of course has to be taken uh, because you have to understand you know the situation that you're going to be in and uh, do the best you can uh, and be informed so you give them guidelines as to content and kind of what what they should talk about with different ages or, or how they should be of support based on whatever they're going through. They do some different scenarios. Like if this happened, what would you think would happen? This is how you would handle it. You know, what would you do? What would you not do? Um, so that they're not 
cold turkey going into this. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and don't you have an event coming up February 2019? We have one in March. Oh, February. So, excuse me. I'm thinking of another. Okay. Um, we have what we call Promapalooza. I don't know okay. if you've heard of that. I haven't, actually. Well, this is our 17th year. And what we do is the entire front of the center. This, the center is set up, first of all, like a store. Okay. So when the kids come in for their appointments, they get a list. So many of these, so many of those, so many of that. And they um, they just, it's like going to a store. It's just they don't have to pay. Uh, in February, starting in January, we have to tear down winter, and we keep enough winter for new kids still coming in because kids come in every day year-round in foster care, relative care. Uh, but then we start setting up for prom. And it's like a prom store. So we have a big That's say so yes. That's so cool. We have a big say yes to the dress. And, but it's for prom. And uh, we have a jewelry counter where they, have, they get outfitted after they pick their dresses. We have personal shoppers, people that volunteer to become a personal shopper. They'll take a teen and they help her throughout the, the, the whole store and pick out the dress she wants. It's they a big get, deal. It's a huge deal. It's a huge deal. It's, we always need sponsors for that. So if uh, people know people that uh, sell makeup and they have a lot of excess and they say, you know, let's send it over to Promapalooza, that will help because they, after they get their dresses, they get to pick out jewelry to go with, depending on the neckline, you know, and the color of the dress. And they get to choose that and uh, purses and shawls and shoes. And then they go to the makeup counter and they get matched, color matched. And so we have people who sell makeup that come in, um, you know, uh, cosmetic consultants. And they tell them, not just tell them, but they sit them down and they tell them how to apply the makeup themselves. So the girls are actually applying their own makeup with instruction. So they get to take the makeup home. And now they know how to put it on because they've had that instruction. And they don't put too much, you know, wrong color, too little. They know how to how to. What a fun experience. It's a lot of fun. I mean, I know for me personally, prom is a huge deal. That was many years ago. But um, but that's really great that you guys provide that for these girls, making them feel beautiful and special and um, like they have everything they need for their special night. So Right. And then the other thing about that is that, you know, our regular program is for children who are raised on per diems of $30 or less. And, you know, even though $30 is still quite a bit, it's it's still, they still get the wardrobe. And um, But with Promapalooza, we open it up to group homes, shelters, and they get a lot more money to care for those kids, but they still don't provide those dresses. And so we just opened it up across the board for the Promapalooza. So if the girls are in group homes, shelters, uh, foster homes, relative care homes, um, they can come. And what's the date of that? It's, um, we don't usually advertise the date. Okay, okay, so we can just be on the lookout. Yeah, we, we prepare, it's in February, and we prepare it uh, for February, and okay. we ask people, it takes about 600 volunteers to set up, take down winter, and set up Promapalooza. Just to get it just all to get ready. It, and then another 400 to take it all down and organize it so that, it, you know, it's, it's organized well for the next year, and also to set back the summer that we when we do that we take it down then we have to set up summer and here we go again another whole season it's a cycle yes yes, yes. lots of hard work goes into that um Rachel what matters most to you it could be a guiding principle your family your faith what what is what matters most well certainly I love my family and uh, I wouldn't do this if I didn't love my children and my children are now grown and I have grandchildren um 
but I always uh, felt like when we came to this earth, you know, why are we here? Why are we here? And I always felt like if we're here and we leave the world a better place for somebody, then maybe it was worth being here. And so I, I hope that when I leave, you know, that I will have made a difference. And not just me, but we. I always say it's a we thing. Um, a lot of people made a difference for a lot of these children. We've had over 57,000 children through so far. That's a lot of kids. That's a lot. And these children got things that they could call their own. And they know that somebody cared about them, even though they might have gone through hard times and there might have been something horrific that we, as adults, probably couldn't even do very well. These kids know that somebody cared about them, and that's, that's a good thing. Absolutely. Well, um, it has just been a pleasure chatting with you and, and learning more about Foster Care Support Foundation. And I know that you can go to fostercares.org to get more information on volunteering, whether or not you want to be a monthly donor, an end-of-the-year donor, uh, 11,000, over 11,000 volunteers, correct? Yes. So make could sure. use 20,000. There you go. They can always use use the extra help. So please Please go on and see how you can be of assistance, especially uh, with this holiday season coming up and and just year-round to keep them in mind. Um, They need all of our support, and it's important that these kids go out and be successful in the world and safe and happy and healthy. So um, that's wonderful. When you get uh, to know these children, I know that uh, I'll give you, for instance, um, one little boy that was four years old. And he was just as cute as a button, big, big eyes and big bright eyes. And he would be your best friend in five minutes. And he would talk your ear off. (laughs) But eventually he'd say to you, do you want to see my burn marks? And he'd show you these burn marks on his legs. And that is what we can't imagine. And then I had another little girl that was uh, seven. And it was about this time of year. And then we're starting to think about Santa. And she kept asking when we talked to her in at night, is Santa going to know we're here? Mm. And I'd say, he knows you're here. Don't worry. He'll find you. And the next night she would ask again. She'd say, well, are you sure Santa's going to know I'm here? How is he going to know? And I said, don't worry about it. He'll know you're here. And after about a week of her asking over and over, and I said, well, why do you keep asking? I said, you don't have to worry. He'll, he knows you're here. And she just looked down and she said, well, he never found us before. And she was seven. So kind of makes you know that, you know, these kids definitely have gone through a lot. Things that we can't imagine sometimes. Simple things that we take for granted, like getting excited as a kid that Santa was coming to town and bringing you all sorts of fun surprise Mm -hmm. gifts the next morning. And these kids are just trying to, they're wondering if Santa's going to find them. And that was a wonderful Christmas with these kids having not had Christmas before. And I remember that the the two-year-old opened up his stocking and he got a rubber snake, which cost us a dollar. (laughs) He was so happy he had his snake. Brought him so much joy. (laughs) And he didn't want to open another gift. He was happy with it. That was it. He was good with that. That's so awesome. It was such a great reminder. Well, thank you for all that you're doing for our community. And um, we certainly want to support your efforts. And again, please go to fostercares.org to see how you can volunteer or become a donor. Um, Thank you, Rachel, for being with us. Thank you. Um, I also want to thank our listeners for joining us on North Atlanta's BizLink. 
to listen to the show again or to hear any of our previous episodes, we will get this up on our website homepage. And then it will also be at businessradiox.com. If you select the North Fulton studio, you can access all of our latest shows there. Until next time, I'm Nicole Sturgis, and this has been North Atlanta's BizLink on Business Radio X. 